listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hey friends, today's episode is with Andy Kolber who is a licensed therapist and also the author of Try Softer, a fresh approach to move us out of anxiety, stress, and survival mode and into a life of connection and joy. Andi is a new friend. I've just met her. I loved doing this interview and you'll hear me say in the midst of this interview, I love getting to interview therapists and counselors because I I'm, I have to really watch to not monopolize the conversation and ask them all of my deepest, darkest questions. But also I just love her fresh and wise approach to serving women and specifically women like you, women who are trying to use what they've got for the good of others and the glory of God. You're going to love this episode. I think it's going to encourage you to try softer and that's a really beautiful thing. Hey friends, what a treat today. We have the very wise and the incredible Andy Kolber. I am so excited to get to know her and I have been reading her newest book that just came out and I know many of you might have been reading it and if you haven't, you are going to want to go pick it up. Hey Andy, thanks for joining us today. Jess, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. Literally, it's our joy to get to talk to you. Now, I'll I'll tell you what I have to start with is that whenever I talk to anyone who is a licensed therapist, I have to be really careful because I, I just want to monopolize your time and <laughs> like <laughs> and say like, fix me, let's talk. So I will not do that. I will not, I will not cross boundaries. I will try very hard to really honor your work and your, I'm just really grateful for your entire profession. I'm so grateful for all that counselors and therapists do to, to keep us healthy and whole. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And I, you know, what I love is that you're just wanting to dig into some of the perspectives and, and really it is, it's also my joy to, to be able to give a voice to some of the things that come into my office and the things that I work through personally, because therapists are people too. Thank you for giving this a voice. I really appreciate Mm, it. Absolutely. So I am just wildly interested and, and have had the blessing of having your book for the last few months to thumb through and read through and move through on hard days and on easy days. But will you tell everybody a little bit about Try Softer? You can take as much time as you want. Tell us how you got to to writing it. Like what was, who were you writing to? What was the pain point that made you like sit down and say, we have to share this message? Well, that's a great question to start. Yeah. So Try Softer has been this work in progress for for some time, you know, I think even a decade ago, I was like, maybe someday I'll write a book. But really, some of the biggest catalysts for me in my life, um, I've been a therapist, a practicing therapist for over a decade. But I think there was like this confluence of a lot of things at one time, where part of it was honestly, my own growth. And I often say that the truest thing that started Try Softer was that it was sort of a love letter to my younger self. Mm. So just a little bit about my background. I come from 
a fairly significantly dysfunctional and, and chaotic family. And I say that knowing that for some people, they'll, they'll hear that and they'll be like, whoa, that's not me. And some people will be like, yes, me too, mm-hmm. you know? But, but for me, what that shaped in my life is that I had a lot of parts of my story, a lot of wounds that, you know, maybe later in the podcast, we might unpack this a little bit, but it's what I would call little T traumas mm. and, and these little T traumas, what can happen is, is that when we don't have the support and resources for our body to process them, they actually get stuck in our body and they can really activate our nervous system, they affect how we show up in the world, our ability to just be who God made us to really be. So essentially, in my early 20s, I was in this place where I had basically white knuckled my way through my life at that point. I had learned to over accommodate, to achieve, to be the best because it was sort of an armor that I had created Mm -hmm. because I felt so alone. I felt really afraid. And I just, and and even though, you know, I've known Jesus really my whole life, there's not a time that I haven't known Jesus actually. But I think the thing that's sometimes important for us to hear is that um, trauma and pain still exist in this world. And, Mm -hmm. and, And God is with us in that, but like, that doesn't mean those things don't exist. And so for me, this work was really this experience of, As I gained more knowledge and expertise in my work, I work a lot with trauma and different types of mood issues and emotional regulation. I came to see, like, I'm a survivor of trauma. Yeah. (laughs) And I never had any language for that. I, I, I always, I was like, I was kind of afraid of that language, really. As I began to unpack the fact that our bodies really carry these stories and when we don't have the resources, this is just like really heavy luggage that we're carrying around in our life. Mm -hmm. And so while it started to be about me over time, what it really began or what it kind of transformed into is the desire to give this to everyone. Because what I saw is that we are in a cultural moment in which this is just sort of the norm. We're really encouraged to sort of white knuckle it. Mm-hmm. We're often praised for not honoring our experience or our emotion. And I just got to this point where I was like, man, I feel like I can't not write this book. Yeah. So for someone listening who who might be like, have it, you know, they can feel their, they can feel their goosebumps rising and they're thinking, this is me. This is, yes, I, I, I think I might relate to this story. Can you give some examples of small T trauma that, that maybe most people or a lot of people experience? Well, so the first thing I want to do just to step back is, is to say how I define trauma, just so we have that working definition. I define trauma as anything that overwhelms our nervous system's ability to cope. Yeah. And so what that means is, is that when we experience something that feels too overwhelming, we go into either fight or flight. Mm. or go into um, dissociation or freeze, or that can sometimes even look like depression. Yeah. And these are unconscious responses that are wired into our body. And they're actually really amazing. I mean, this is actually a gift from Mm -hmm. God because if a car's about to hit you, you're not even going to think about it. Your body's just going to react. And that's where that comes from. But what can happen? And again, there's a lot of nuance here. So I'm going to speak in really broad strokes. 
But within trauma, there's big T trauma, and that's generally PTSD. Mm-hmm. And that essentially is anything that could be a threat to your life or, a, or observing someone else's life being threatened. It's sexual violence, natural disasters. It could be where uh, first responders and how they interact. But essentially, if someone's concerned they might have PTSD, I really encourage folks to find a trauma therapist because PTSD is catastrophic to our nervous system. Mm-hmm. It's very significant. Whereas little t trauma is, again, it's anything that overwhelms our nervous system's ability to cope, but it's not necessarily catastrophic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But what can happen is that over time, those like those accumulated traumas can act on our body in the same way as PTSD. And that's actually, that's what happened to me. For me, and for many people, this is rooted in little t traumas from childhood where, you know, I, I think something that comes up a lot in, in folks that I work with is like feel, experiencing deep shame, like toxic shame mm. from caregivers where, you know, you had something significant happen and they, you know, maybe you experience feeling like totally shut down because they're like, what are you doing? That's, mm. you're bad. You're terrible. We don't do that here. It could also be things like grief. It could be mm. transition. It could be a job loss. It could be, you know, anything, it could be medical procedures that could also be PTSD as well. It could be really anything that causes us pain has the potential if Mm. we don't have support and we don't have the internal resources to potentially get stuck. Yeah. Man, can you talk for a little bit about this and these responses to these little T traumas in light of the Enneagram? Because that to me is what's really interesting, like how we cope with obviously large traumas, but even the small ones based on our personality type or a myriad of different things. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit. I'm thinking first, so I'm an Enneagram four Mm -hmm. and I think about trauma a lot when I think about the Enneagram in terms of most of us have stories that are imperfect. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of us, right. And even those of us who've had what I would call good enough parenting, Mm. it's still not perfect. Right. So maybe we're even, maybe our body is more resilient, but it really shapes our stories. And so for me with the Enneagram four, here's like an example, what that has looked like for me. I learned in a sense, the way that I reacted to some of my trauma or in some ways, maybe some of my trauma also shaped, interacted with my number is that I learned to sort of pull away Mm. and to get my needs met by, you know, I think, I think of it like by being, you know, the being special. So for me, sometimes it could look like achievement, but really it was about being special. Mm. But in that specialness, I always felt alone. It was like not authentic. It was a cheap substitute. But one thing I I really try to frame this as too, and I talk about my younger self a lot, is that my younger self honestly was doing the Mm. best she could with what she had. Like my family truly was, like it was a traumatic environment for better, for, you know, I shouldn't say for better, for worse. Like it just was. Mm. And my body adapted the best way that it could. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of my, the honors of my life now is that I get to reparent Mm. this younger part of myself that sometimes comes up and feels like, well, nobody gets me, but if I'm special enough, Mm. (laughs) maybe then this love will translate. 
And I just really get to love that little part of myself and say, oh, my dear, you do not need to be special to be loved. Like you are beloved and I am with you and God is with us Mm. and you can rest. you, You can let your body settle. You don't have to show everybody how great you are to be loved. Mm, I love that. I love that. What are some universal signs, no matter your personality type, no matter your Enneagram type, that maybe you are being too tough with yourself, that you're holding on too tight? What are some things we can look for? Well, one thing I encourage folks to do, I'll start with the body (laughs) Mm -hmm. because so much of my work is really about being integrated with the body. And I, and I believe this is just the Jesus way. Like Mm -hmm. Jesus was an, he was incarnational, you know, he lived in and really was the fullness of humanity. And so I love that what we're learning about our bodies is that to be well and to be healthy and to live abundant life means that we really live in our bodies. One way that I would just encourage your listeners to consider is, you know, I've talked about this fight or flight or dissociation or freeze. And this happens when we go out of something called our window of tolerance. And this is not my term, but essentially what it means is, is that it's it's the range of arousal or it's the range where we can tolerate what we're experiencing. So we're, we sort of feel like ourselves. Like I might be a little sad, but I'm still me or I'm happy, but I'm me or I'm empathizing with someone, but I'm me. (laughs) But let's say I walk into a room and someone who has pretty consistently violated my boundaries is there. And what I start to notice is my heart starts to race Mm -hmm. and I start to kind of get, I start to sweat a little bit and I feel maybe a little bit trapped potentially. So if I can notice that that's going on in my body, it's like my body's giving me information. (laughs) It's just telling me like, oh, something feels a little intense here. And so then let's say this person comes over and starts talking to me and they start asking me for some things that maybe I'm not actually okay with giving and my body feels a little bit uncomfortable. One, One example of where I might be white knuckling it is if I say yes when I actually mean no. Like if my body is telling me like, you don't have the margin for this, like this is going to hurt your family. This is going to hurt you. But this person maybe makes me feel scared or unsafe or whatever. And I tell them, yes, if I can listen to my body, my body's like, Hey, I need you to help me feel safe by setting this boundary. So that's an example of where we begin to have the, you know, if we can pay attention to that with compassion, we might have more choices and that can translate to other areas too, right? It's like another meeting request comes in another thing that somebody wants me to schedule another ministry opportunity. It might be doing something just because I feel guilty about somebody or something, you know, and it's not that those things are bad. And I think it's important for us to say that it's, it's not that it's, it's why are we doing it? Something that I think is so interesting about using that as a reference is because so many of us, so many of the women listening have experienced extreme trauma, just genuine, right? Like what, what most of us would consider, you know, sizable pain. 
And yet what's hard about my Tuesday (laughs) is not usually the like sizable trauma that most people would recognize in my life. It's the very small, they're not inconveniences, but I call them like paper cuts. Like they're just almost like little paper cuts or like really small unseeable wounds, which so often the people around me, the people in my life are not causing against me. They're not doing to, to be unkind to me, to hurt me in any way, shape or form. And yet there is like a wound there for me. And if I don't watch it, it it shifts the way I live. It shifts the way I talk to people. It shifts the things I do. I I noticed, this is an example for me, I noticed a few weeks ago, I was at dinner with some friends and someone used the phrase like, you're so different from me. Mm. And that they weren't saying it like, oh, you're so different from me. You're awful. Mm. But it was like an interesting, weird wound. And I couldn't get over it for like two days. <laughs> and I just had to, I had to like keep going back to like, what what is there? So not to derail on that, but... Other than saying no, what mm. are some ways we can be soft with ourselves? Because I mean, saying no, let's first of all, let me just go back to like <laughs> even the tip you just gave about saying no is huge. I am a firm believer that women just don't like, I just don't think we say no. I think we don't believe anybody else says no. I think we think it's, you know, just horribly off-putting to have to say it. And I'm a big proponent of like, if I'm not saying no every day, I'm probably doing something wrong because there's too many offers on the table just from life, just from the world to not say no. But are there other like tips or tricks that you have for us to be softer with ourselves as we're just moving through the day when people are not actually offending us or hurting us or coming for us and yet it so feels like they are? Yeah, no, I think that's so great. And I appreciate your example because that's exactly the kind of work that I do with so many folks and and with even myself, right? Like that because... The reality is, is that hopefully and God willing, most of the folks who are listening to this are actually truly safe, like in the right. here and now they're in visceral safety. The The trauma actually is in the past, hopefully. And if it's not, I just want to encourage folks to reach out and get some support and resources because in order to really do this work, I mean, number one, you deserve to be safe. And number two, the way we heal comes, like we can only go back and heal the wound once we're actually in safety. We can't do healing work when we're still experiencing trauma. So that's really important. So I love your example because this is where I think most people start to minimize their pain because they're like, well, I was just at dinner. You know, it's not that big of a deal. What I was experiencing doesn't actually matter. And I need to just get over it. Right. Like, I'm not saying that's what you thought to yourself, but that is often the narrative that accompanies those types of interactions. And the work that I do is all about reframing that Mm. because this is an invitation from our bodies and from our younger selves to say, we want to heal. (laughs) Like we want to continue to move towards wholeness and it's not bad. You're Mm -hmm. not doing anything wrong. This is actually a gift that God made our bodies to do this because it's kind of like on a car, like there's a dashboard, you know, and a little light goes off. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what it's like. It's like information's coming in. We need, we let's respond to this. Yeah. To your question of what can we do? 
so much of Trisofter is all about learning to really, you know, I use the phrase synonymously to pay compassionate attention to our experience. Mm. And this is the framework from which we then almost in the same way, I know not everybody listening is going to be a parent, but you know, maybe you can even think of someone else in your life that you just really love. But for me, I think of my kids. Mm -hmm. Like when my kids are in pain, how would I want to respond to them? What would I want to give to them? And so that gives us a lot of options, you know? And one thing that's just a really practical step is, you know, like, let's just say, theoretically, someone says something to you and it's, it's, it's hurtful and you can't shake it. And you are noticing yourself getting really anxious and your, your thoughts are racing and you're just feel like you just have to go out and prove now to everybody that you're not who they said you were, you know, Mm -hmm. this is a sign from your nervous system that you're maybe getting pretty activated. And so one thing that you could just to start is to practice something called grounding and grounding is a way that we just really practice being hyper present to the moment. And we use it as a way to actually bring our nervous system back into that window. And, and essentially it's, it's like, you know, I, I always encourage folks go outside if you can, but name like five things you can see four things that you can hear and re- like really listen to them. Three things that you can touch and, you know, pick up a stone, feel the weight of the stone, touch the grass, two things you can smell. And as you do this, it's like the hope is right. Because we're actually in real time safe mm-hmm. that drawing our attention to this, to this beauty or to this, this presence allows us to come home to ourselves and be like, okay, okay. What does God say about me? Okay. What do I know is true? What do people who care about me really think about me? Mm, I love that. So good. So, so, so good. Hey gals, it's around that time again where we are having another Go and Tell Gals event. We are really excited to announce that we are having our second ever live event here in Charleston, South Carolina. We are calling it Inhale, Exhale, and it's going to be a night of worship and teaching and wild encouragement for women who are running on mission. Tickets are just $50 and Charleston is a really fun place to find yourself for a girls weekend. So run to our website, get your ticket, grab some friends, and we'll see you on March 20th in Charleston for Inhale, Exhale. Okay, friends, y'all have got to read Trisofter. Obviously, I know you're all feeling that right now, but let's ask a few questions. I want to hear a little bit about what it's been like for you moving into this season of publishing this book. You've already been doing this work, helping women privately, one-on-one. I'm sure not just women, but all people Mm one-on-one for the last 10 years. What has it been like for you shifting into this season of publishing and serving a wider spectrum of people? Mm. Thanks for asking this question. I really actually appreciate it because I think sometimes my experience in the therapy world is that we expect therapists 
to sort of be robots. And it's not to say, I, I talk about this in the book too, like if your therapist uses your time to talk about their feelings and, and their experience in ways that are not comfortable for you, like it's okay to find a new therapist. Yeah. That's actually not helpful, right? Yeah. Like therapy should be about you. So just know that. But me as a therapist, I am a person and I actually have come to believe that that's one of my greatest assets is my actual, like when I'm, when my nervous system is settled, when I'm tuned into myself, it allows me to really tune into other people more deeply than Mm -hmm. ever before, which is such a, like, I'm so grateful for that. So for me, I would say it has been challenging. Like it has caused me to have to practice try softer in my life in new ways, like in ways that have time at times it's felt really scary. You know, in the book, I share a little bit about my own story and that was hugely vulnerable Mm -hmm. to even share, to really see behind the professional, like these are my degrees, this is my experience, but to say, this matters to me because this is my journey too. Yeah. <laughs> like I practice trying softer every single day. And I say, if I don't practice trying softer, then it probably means like I'm living from my wounds and I want to honor my wounds, but I don't want to live from them. Yeah. And I think there's a really big difference. Mm, I love that. What have been the biggest challenges for you in launching, in shifting, in writing, I hear you 100% on even just the the vulnerability of it. I, I always tell people I'm the kind of writer where I just write and I think like, I'll edit that out later, but I'm not a great editor. And when it comes time to edit my books, I'm usually like, oh yeah, just whatever you guys think is good. And then it's launch week of my book and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wrote that. <laughs> Oops, my bad. Um, but outside of the vulnerability, have there been any other challenges just kind of stepping into more authority in this area and in, in a different spectrum? Yeah, there's two parts of that that really stand out. One is owning my experience in the sense of like, like I am a therapist Mm -hmm. who has pretty extensive training and there's some things that I know, you know, and I think this is hard because sometimes people will take this as being arrogant or something, you know, but it's like owning, like I know some things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I surely don't know everything, but I do know some things. And that I get the opportunity to steward that. And I want to be humble. And I want to, I want to recognize that, that those things over time can sometimes change and transform and shift, but it is okay (laughs) to show up in the world with the reality that I can sort of, you know, take ownership of of who I actually am. And I can confidently stand in that Mm -hmm. sometimes whether other people get it or not. You know, like this is just like, this is the message that God has given me to just sort of, to have my eyes focused on those steps and, and to know that not everybody is going to get it and not everybody's going to be ready for it. And like, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like God bless them because they have their own story and their own journey. You know what I mean? Like to just really bless them. And so I think that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is to really continue to honor my own limits because try softer came out of me pushing too hard in many ways. Right. And so it's like, goodness gracious, I could do a million things every day. And in a way it would still not be enough. Hmm. (laughs) Like there are so many opportunities. There are so many things I could do to promote the book. There are so many 
there just is, there's just a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and to recognize that there's some really good stuff and I, and I can't do it all. And that's, mm -hmm. a, and it's still okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hard because I have to go back to the reality that sometimes people want things from you and you can't always give it. And, and that can be a tough space to, to interact with. And yet, you know, to really honor, like I really am doing the best I can and and I love them, even if I can't always do what I need to, what they're wanting from me. Yeah, man, that's so good. Well, how can we be praying for you in this season? And how can we be praying for the message of the book? Mm, thank you for asking that. I would just love prayer that I would continue to come home to to Jesus in me, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. to stay so connected to the heartbeat of this work, that when something is not aligned, that I will just sense God's spirit and wisdom shifting me in the ways that I would go. Because, because there really are so many dip, there are just, the world is big. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to stay so connected to that because I really believe that's also staying so connected to, to myself. You know, like yeah. those things, it's like, those things are just so intertwined. And, and I just want to, I just really want to stay home to that. Mm, I love that. In Jesus' name, we agree. Andy, thank you so incredibly much for sharing your wisdom with us, friends. You mm -hmm. can get TriSofter on Amazon. I believe you can get it in almost all bookstores. And you will not regret at all picking up this book and digging in. Thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Absolutely.